Monse! Hello! You're listening to Achimowin on CJSR 88.5 FM, located in the city of Edmonton, which is on Treaty 6 territory, as well as Region 4 of the Métis Nation. This is a traditional gathering place for the Cree, Blackfoot, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and others to whom we pay our respects and thanks. My name is Shana Giles, and I'm of Métis descent. My pronouns are they, them. This week's Achimowin is going to be a bit different from anything I've covered previously. This isn't a story that can be told without addressing some topics that might be difficult to communicate easily, so this will be the first of a two-part series on this topic. That topic is the recent church fire at the St. Jean-Baptiste Church in the town of Morinville, and how it has affected the relationship between the people of Morinville and the people of the nearby Alexander First Nation. Before we begin, I would like to state that not every person you hear is Indigenous, or aware of the issues affecting Indigenous people, the lives taken by residential schools, or intergenerational trauma. There were several occasions during the interview process of this story where I witnessed and heard both overt and casual racism against Indigenous people. Being white-passing Métis, I imagine that people would not have said these things to me if they had known I was Métis, and I would like to acknowledge that I benefited from white privilege in being white-passing. There will be mentions of residential schools, murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls, and racism against Indigenous people in this story. If you think this might trigger negative emotions, please feel free to tune out now. During every interview and during the time that I am writing and recording this, the cause of the church fire has not been released. Everything said by politicians and by community members is, at this point, conjecture. But that conjecture can have real consequences. And that's the topic of our story this week. So without further ado, I'd like to jump right into this week's story. Our story this week took me to Morinville, Alberta, a francophone community with a population of just over 10,000 people, located in Sturgeon County, which is just north of Edmonton. In the early morning hours of June 30th, the day before Canada Day, one of the town's most recognizable symbols, the historic St. Jean-Baptiste Church, burned to the ground. It was, by all means, considered a symbol of the town and a gathering place in the community. Luckily, no one was hurt, and the fire didn't spread to the surrounding buildings. The cause of the fire was unknown then, and is unknown now, but given the discoveries of graves at former residential schools and a string of recent church fires in British Columbia and one in Nova Scotia, the burning church was quickly being linked, without evidence, to Indigenous people and their communities, either contextually or, as some community members and politicians were quick to assume, to suggest blame. I will clearly state again, though, the cause of the fire is still unknown. Blaming this fire on Indigenous people is, at this point of time, conjecture and racism. And so this isn't a story about a church burning down. Not really. This is a story about two communities, Mournville and Alexander First Nation, and the tension that's been building since the morning of June 30th. This is a story about the legacy of colonialism and its role in shaping these communities. This might be a bit of a difficult story to tell, so I'll try to do it with care and consideration. And to do that, I'll need to give you quite a bit of context. So this episode is just that. Context. 
Historical and otherwise, this episode is meant to provide context to the communities and context to the aftermath of the fire. Next episode, I'll be focusing more on that outcome and how that fire has affected people from Alexander and Morinville. I'd like to start by saying that I grew up in Sturgeon County. I still live here, actually, in a small community east of Morinville and north of Edmonton. We're a relatively small grouping of commuter towns and farmland here in Sturgeon, and Morinville is the largest population center in the county, with a couple grocery stores, many small businesses, and a library, the town office, and the church grounds on the same street. When I saw on CBC News that the church had burned, and knowing that Sturgeon County is not necessarily a beacon of progressive politics and understanding towards Indigenous people, my concern was that people would be quick to blame the fire on the nearby Alexander First Nation. I was concerned that a handful of farm boys or folks from Bonacord or Gibbons would use the fire as an excuse to go harass Indigenous people from Alexander or retaliate in some way against visibly Indigenous people. What didn't help was that Alberta Premier Jason Kenney had gone to the site of the fire that morning of June 30th and made a statement. He said that the fire appeared to be a hate-motivated act of violence. He said it was appalling, the scale of violence attacking a faith community, that it was an attack on freedom of religion, that it was an attack on Canadian values. He said he was deeply concerned that this follows on other recent acts of arson on a particular faith community, uh, referring to the Catholic Church, and was quick to say that we need to redouble our efforts on reconciliation. That statement squarely placed the blame on Indigenous people. Who else would need reconciliation from the government of Canada? What didn't help was the news coverage of the fire. In many of the early reports, quotes were taken from members of the church or from politicians or the local mayor. It wasn't until much later in the day that I read a quote from an Indigenous person, a Métis man who had lived in Mournville. But by that point, Kenny had made his statements, calling it hate-motivated arson, an attack on the Catholic Church, and an attack on Canadian values. For this two-part series, I spoke with a number of people, including Paulette Houle, the president of the Mournville Historical and Cultural Society, someone who is not Indigenous and is from Mournville. And I also spoke with Brooks Arcan Paul, someone who grew up in Alexander and was involved in Mournville since his youth. We'll be hearing much more from Brooks in the next episode, but I wanted to include his introduction and reaction to hearing those comments from Jason Kenny here now. Good afternoon. My name is Brooks Arkham Paul. I'm from the Alexander First Nation, which is in Treaty 6 territory here in present day Alberta. Um, my traditional name is Sipsis, which means Little River in Nehiawi in my people's language, the Cree people. Uh, I am from the Alexander First Nation, like I mentioned. I grew up there for about 23 years of my life. I did my undergrad while living on the nation. And then I moved off for my last year and then moved away for my law school career. And now I'm a practicing lawyer. I'm in-house legal counsel to the Alexander First Nation. I'm also the vice president of the Indigenous Bar Association. So a lot of my work uh, surrounds and, and involves advocacy. And this is no different. Uh, this experience right now that we're talking about, I'm actually... Uh, I don't like saying that racism is a passion project because it shouldn't be a passion project, uh, but because I have an obligation and my, my advocacy efforts are really focused on 
equity and making sure that Indigenous folks are, are properly represented and properly advocated for because racism is one of those difficult topics that no one really wants to touch with a 10 foot pole. But if we don't have those conversations, we're not going to be able to surmount them and, and deal, do away with them. Because right now you see our, our politicians on, on all aisles and in all legislatures are not having that conversation. They're actually doing quite the opposite. And, with Jason Kenney just recently coming to the uh, the church the day after it burnt and effectively putting a target on my nation's back and the people that occupy and live in, uh, in Morinville, the indigenous community there, I think it's very unfair um, that he would even continue these talking points after the fact. I think he just recently said that some of the church vandalisms uh, that were happening outside of Mournville and outside of our jurisdiction, he was painting that with the same brush, blaming Indigenous folks for the pain that's been caused upon us over centuries, uh, over a century of, uh, of, of racist legislation and terrible evil schools that took our children away and where some never even returned to our homes. So it's, it's, I mean, like, that's why I say it's not a passion project of mine. It's a necessity. I have no option but to talk about this because no one is doing it justice. What was it like when you realized that Jason Kenney was going to be calling this a hate crime, calling this terrorism, calling this, this an attack on, on the Roman Catholic community? Well, as an Indigenous person and somebody who likes to call himself a progressive, I did not, I don't believe anything this man says. So when I first heard it, I was, I was not shocked, but I was so angry. I was so angry that he vilified not only just Indigenous people, but my community specifically. We access Mormville, we live there, we play there, we work there. And for him to come out saying that it was likely an Indigenous person just boiled my blood and it made me so very angry that he would even come so close and with one side of his mouth say these terrible things against indigenous people but on the same breath paint my people my nation my family with this idea that we are criminals that we are arsonists this is blatant racism this is blatant this is what the this us versus them mentality that exists on the prairies that has existed since settlers arrived here and has continued through this backwards man who knows nothing of ethics, morality, or righteousness. Like most of the communities in Sturgeon County, the communities of Mournville and Alexander First Nation are interlinked. People from Alexander First Nation go to Mournville for commerce, errands, and necessities, and so do people from Bonacord, Gibbons, and the surrounding area. Some folks from Alexander First Nation grow up attending schools or are members of churches in Mournville. The relationship between Alexander First Nation and Mournville goes back over a hundred years, to the founding of the town and the establishment of the reserve. And so to accurately tell the story of the relationship of these two communities, we'll need to take a look back into history. I reached out to Paulette Houle, the president of the Mournville Historical and Cultural Society, to hear more about the founding of the town, the relationship with Alexander First Nation, and to get some input on something I'd seen when I arrived in Mournville the day before. Paulette is not Indigenous. Regardless, I had some questions I wanted answered. 
So we spoke over the phone on the morning of the fifth day since the church burned. I am Paulette Houle, and I am president of the Mournville Historical and Cultural Society. The, the town was named Morinville after Father Morin. We're looking back at 1891, and uh, where Father Morin went down east to bring the colon, co- some colonists back. And at that, he he made a number of trips to the, and then that's when they came out to Morinville. And their first, well, they call it the the chapel chapel house was built two miles west of Morinville. The first chapel house. So that was actually on the way to Alexander. Paulette didn't know as much as she would have liked about the contributions of Indigenous people to the founding of the town or the relationship between Mournville and Alexander, but she had found a bit of information online that she wanted to read to me. I have a little thing here on the Indigenous, and I'll read it to you. Just a few paragraphs, and this might help. I took this from the internet as well. So here we go. It says, For years prior to the Europeans, the indigenous would move through the Mournville area following the bison herds and the seasons. At first, the Blackfoot and the Stony were the dominating indigenous groups, dominant indigenous groups. As the Europeans began to push in from the east, it would drive the Cree and the Métis towards the area, leading to interactions between the Blackfoot and the groups, and the groups that, for for the most part, peaceful. Today, Mournville sits on Treaty Six land, and nearby is the Alexander First Nation. At the time of tre- treaty signing in 1877, the citizens of Alberta Alexander First Nations were promised 128 acres per citizen in a land entitlement agreement. Unfortunately, there was a shortfall of land provided by the Canadian government, and most Indigenous were not received did not receive the amount of land that they had been promised. In 1992, after research showed the shortfall, the Indigenous of Alexander First Nations were given 15,140 acres of land and $10 million put into a trust. So that's kind of what I know. After the interview with Paulette, I asked her if she wanted to know more about the relationship between Alexander and Morinville. And she was open to it. She said she would appreciate any new information, especially reading recommendations. If you're just tuning in, my name is Shana Giles, and you're listening to Achimowin on CJSR. I'm looking into the relationship between Alexander First Nation and the town of Morinville in the wake of a recent church fire that garnered mass media attention, but left a lot to be desired about the relationship between the towns. So I'm taking a look into it myself. Since I had spoken with Paulette about the founding of Morinville, I also wanted to hear a bit more from Brooks about the founding of Alexander First Nation. A lot of my histories, so we as a nation uh, didn't get settled in the area until about 18, I want to say 77, when our treaty was uh, concluded. Actually, I think it was 1875. So our original land base was around the Lac Lanon area. It was a vast expanse of land that went northward up to Lac Lanon. Um, and we had we had moved on to there after we had signed and negotiated treaty uh, that was done by my great 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 grandfather Kachtawiskam, 
uh, later renamed Alexander, Alexander Arkan, after the, the uh, bishop or the priest in the area. Uh, very problematic history there. And I don't want to get into that right now because that's a whole different conversation for another day. Um, but we had been there since about 1875, 1877. And I think Mournville was already established as a little town by that time. Um, maybe actually, maybe a little bit after, but our entire history in the area was helping settlers uh, farm the land. So we would go in and we would remove the rocks. We would go uh, uproot trees. We would go and uh, help them till the land and they paid us. So we were always very hardworking uh, individuals and we're always interested in our agricultural pursuits. So as a nation, Alexander was one of the major outposts for uh, horses and ranching for the Klondike for the for the gold rush that was happening in the Yukon. So a lot of our horses would go up to the up to the Yukon. So I would assume, and I I don't know the accounts particularly, but I would assume we would access those services when we were allowed to leave the reserve. So remember, back in the day there was path systems. Uh, we weren't allowed to leave the reserve without the approval of the Indian agent at the time, and. And part of that was to restrict our, our, our movement and to restrict our ability to gather and organize uh, with our other neighboring nations. So our relationship with Mormville has always been very close. We've been, you know, it's one of the closest bigger towns to us. Uh, my actual, all of our mailing addresses are rooted in Mournville. And a lot of our access to business, so like car service, automobile services, um, food services, groceries, all of that kind of stuff are, are, are really intertwined with Mournville. Um, whereas it comes to the growth of Mournville, all I know is how we have those relationships with the farmers and the agriculturalists around the town uh, to help remove the stones when they were given uh, difficult land to break. We're always more than willing to help out with our neighbors. Sunday morning, on the fourth day after the fire and the day before I spoke with Paulette and Brooks, parishioners and community members gathered outside the burned-out ruins of the St. Jean-Baptiste Church in Mournville. The church bells would not be ringing that morning, a familiar sound that could be heard across Mournville every Sunday at 9 a.m. To fill that silence, people gathered to ring their own bells. Some brought their own, while others were handed out by one of the organizers of the meetup. As I was setting up to record the sounds of the bells that I knew would be ringing shortly at 9 a.m., a man drove by in his truck and yelled out his window. That might have been a bit hard to hear. He said, hey, we're not from here like that, followed by an insult which I'm not allowed to say on the radio. I think he was trying to say that the people from here wouldn't do something like burn down the church and that it was stupid to think that we would. Either way, the message was a bit muddled and everybody there quickly brushed it off. It was quickly disregarded as just another guy yelling out his window on the street. But going back over that audio, I thought it was important to include. At 9am, the bells rang out. Silence followed. Father Trini Pinka read a small sermon facing the ruins. 
and the group of around 50 parishioners and community members disbanded soon afterwards. But I managed to catch up with the organizer who was handing out small bells to talk a bit more about what the church meant to her and to the community. I'm Vera Sadercock, and I'm here to support the community with this tragic event. It's really sad. just wanted to bring everybody together and ring some bells, and someone actually told me this morning to go on YouTube, and we actually found the church bells on there. So that was pretty beautiful. At the at the steps of the church, I noticed there were shoes and stuffed animals. and um... there, They were left there before. Mm-hmm. I've seen, because I came with my aunt the week before, and there were stuffed animals and shoes and little crosses there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad, but, I mean, we can't... We can't let this hate of the past engulf us. Like, this is just... It's not okay. It's... It's wrong. Mm-hmm. And to take down the churches like this, if this is what happened here, I don't know. I, I just, I'm ashamed to, to think a human being can actually do something like this. It's a very striking visual. Yeah, it is. It's very heartbreaking. There's just so much hate out there and so much anger out there. I just, it worries me. Mm-hmm. It worries me that when they find out what happened, if anything, you know, if it wasn't an accident, that's what worries me, mm-hmm. how people are going to react. But we shouldn't be here to blame each other. And we don't, you know, if somebody did do this, we don't know who did this. Mm-hmm. It could have been anybody of any race, like anybody We just cannot stand here and blame people. There was a sign over there, something about if we could just love one another, we would live forever. And that's true. We need to remember these children, you know, not do this kind of stuff. Before I left, I took a walk around the church grounds. The bells of the church suspended in a hunk of what was now twisted metal, had been pulled outside and sat in the courtyard on the west side of the doors, which had since been pulled off the building and rested beneath the arches of the centennial clock tower. The clock tower holds a plaque with an image of Jean-Baptiste Morin, the town's founder. What stood out to me was that the text on the medallion plaque says, in French and in English, Colonizer, 1891. The term colonizer carries a lot of weight to Indigenous people, as I'm sure you're aware. I assumed that the meaning of the term colonizer meant something different to the history of Morinville than it did to the Indigenous people who lived there and the people from the nearby Alexander First Nation. So I asked Paulette what colonizer meant in Morinville. Colonizer? Well, that would be Father Morin, in that he brought these colonists these people from the east to to, known as colonizers to come here for the agricultural. You know, that's what he was after, to get the land going. And that would be, I would say that that would be the meaning of it. He brought them. He went out and talked to people to come out. But on the other hand, he did not want to force them because uh, forcing them, they could be... you know, to come out here, it was it was tough. 
there was nothing. They had to clear their land, homesteads. This is what I was thinking about before. Their homesteads and everything. It was it was tough life. This was not an easy life to come out here. And so, and another thing, you know, um, leaving their families, leaving behind what they had over there. So it was just really tough. So a very straightforward, very literal answer. Just for more context, I also wanted to ask Brooks what colonizer meant to Indigenous people. Oh. Oh. It means it means somebody who comes in and forces their ways upon you. It's not a good term. On the front steps of the church, next to a discarded fire hose and covered in rubble, was a row of overturned stuffed animals and shoes that had been left there prior to the church burning, as a reminder and memorial to the children who had lost their lives at residential schools run by the Catholic Church. A row of pine trees on the east side of the church had been singed by the fire, and whenever the wind blew, it smelled of wood smoke and pine. Metal fencing had been put up around the church to prevent passerby from entering the debris, At the front and left side of the fencing, bouquets and flowers had been placed, and I saw a Canada flag and Canada flag streamer had also been attached. A bundle of eagle feathers wrapped in twine had been left there as well. On the west side of the church, shaded by the singed pine trees, notes and messages from the community had been attached to the fencing. Some were attached with orange electrical tape, and the messages conveyed the hardness of the loss to the community. There was a French poem about remembrance. It was attached with the same orange tape as two messages that acknowledged the the history and reconciliation. When I had arrived that Sunday morning, four days after the fire that destroyed the church, there had been six notes taped to the metal fencing surrounding the burned-out ruins of the St. Jean-Baptiste Church in Mournville. By the time I had finished, there were seven. A note written on parchment said in French and English, We are all children of God. It was attached to the fencing, alongside an eagle feather and a small twist of dried sweet grass. As I was about to leave, I saw an older man standing by the fencing near the notes. He seemed friendly, and he was wearing a pair of bright orange shorts. As I'm sure you know, the color orange has a certain meaning to indigenous people. It means reconciliation, respect, remembrance, that we're here and visible. I assumed wrongly, that he might be able to speak with me about how this might impact indigenous people, but I was incorrect and naive. I will warn you that the following statements are racist, unequivocally racist, and are aimed towards indigenous people. They are statements that do not reflect the entirety of Mournville. These are statements that are hurtful, and it is hurtful to hear them again as I am editing this. Please tune out for the next few minutes if you'd like to avoid hearing these things. The natives are on a bit of a church-killing spree. I, I don't know as that. I always think they're more turned on by if they think there's a dollar in it, <laughs> you know? Like, like I don't think they'd give a shit about their own people ever. I, you know how they always complain about the native ladies? They don't look after their own people. They just sort of... But they don't. They just, you know, it's a damn shame the way they get treated. I am sorry that you had to hear that, and I am sorry that there are people out there who are not interested in understanding us or our histories. I feel like it is not the responsibility of Indigenous people to explain these things to him or people like him, and it is not our responsibility to justify our existence and trauma. 
I originally wanted to remove his comments entirely from this piece, to not include them in this story, but I ultimately decided against it. To do so would be to portray Canada and Mournville in such a way as to forgive and forget, and neglect to mention that there is ongoing racism in Canada against Indigenous people. It shows the need for reconciliation and for challenging racism and injustice against Indigenous people. I believe he would not have said these things to me had I not been white-passing Métis, so I will again acknowledge that I benefit from white privilege, and I should have corrected him or done something, and I'm sorry that I didn't. The majority of the people I spoke to had a baseline understanding of what Indigenous people have gone through and continue to go through. After that, I didn't feel comfortable staying in the area, but as I was leaving and heading back to my car, I noticed that the name of the street was Grandin. Both Alexander First Nation and Mournville are communities shaped by colonialism. The people of these communities have been affected in very different ways by the legacy of colonization in Canada. That's as much as we have time for in this episode of Ichimowan. I hope this has given some insight into the relationship between Morinville and Alexander First Nation, as well as some insight into how the communities have been affected by the St. Jean-Baptiste fire, by the coverage of it and political response, and by the legacy of colonialism and racism in Canada. I apologize that this was not a light-hearted story, and recognize that the subject matter might have been difficult to Indigenous people listening. In next week's episode of Achimawin, I'll be looking further into this subject, the relationship between Mournville and Alexander First Nation. So if today's episode was a bit much for you, please feel free to skip next week's as well. Thank you to Paulette Houle, president of the Mournville Historical and Cultural Society, for giving me some information about Mournville. Thank you to Brooks Arcan Paul for speaking with me about his experiences and the history of Alexander First Nation. We'll be hearing a bit more from both of these people in next week's episode. I'd also like to thank Vera Sandercock for speaking with me during the Sunday morning bell ringing. My name is Shayna Giles, I'm of Métis descent, and I am the host and reporter of Achimowin. Thank you for listening, stay safe out there, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your day.